There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Now, listen, they want me to say hello. Welcome to the James Well Best Bits of tonight's show. I wish you could hear every night, Monday to Friday, on Talk Radio from 7 till 10. But I said, wouldn't it be best to call it the worst of whale? So have a listen. See what you think. Well, let's talk to Professor Lawrence Hurst, Department of Biology and Biochemistry at the University of Bath. Uh, Good evening to you, Professor. Good evening, good evening. Nice to talk again. So, it's uh, nice to talk to you, the voice of reason, I think. Um, (laughs) So, here we are, you know, everybody's mass depression, everybody's dying all around us. Uh, But, I, I mean, I've had a few friends who say they've had it. But no, they've never been to the doctor. Um, in fact, they found out the doctor said, I feel really bad. I've got a dry cough. I'm, I'm, I'm sweating a bit. And they said, oh, well, you better go to bed, have some paracetamol. And uh, if it gets any worse, let us know. Uh, and they don't, but they just assume that they've had it. There is, I think, quite a lot of paranoia around. Well, can we first just uh, knock this particular rather bad piece of reporting on its head? Um, Oh, sorry, what have I done wrong now? No, not you. Not again. The the, the Times thing that you were reading out. Um, So they correctly reported 6,253 deaths, reported by the Office for National Statistics as of April the Mm. 4th or 3rd, Uh, whereas, you know, that tracker that we have from the government reported only 4,093. And so they've come to the conclusion that government's been under-reporting to the effect of 50%, so about... 2,000 difference, 2,000 out of 4,000 is about 50%. Uh, and then they go on to say, as you quoted, the disparities because the government's daily announcements cover only deaths in hospitals, not the community. This is um, an abuse of statistics. Um, this is not what the ONS data says at all. So the major reason for that discrepancy is nothing to do with in hospital or out of hospital. Uh, it is to do with the nature of the statistic. Um, so when the data comes out each day, so let's suppose we go to the 3rd of April, which is where the ONS took their data to, um, what the government is reporting is the cumulative number of deaths that they know about uh, up till the 3rd of April. Uh, the difficulty is that they don't know about all the deaths up until the 3rd of April. Um, so there's a difference between two important statistics. One is the st- statistic, which is the number of deaths that have actually occurred prior to that date, and the other is the number of deaths that have occurred prior to that date that the government knew about prior to that date. Mm. Yes? Mm. Those are two different things. Yep. So the correct test to do is to take the government's figures 
and say, okay, we won't go to the 3rd of April. What we're going to do is instead go to, say, the, what they've done at the ONS is go to the 11th of April uh, for their data or to the 12th of April for the NHS data. So what you can then do is you can go to the NHS data to the 12th and say, okay, given that we've got all that data now, how many should we have reported if we'd known all of these extra deaths have occurred or been reported, sorry, not occurred, been reported since the 3rd? Yes, mm. it's reported, not actually yeah. occurred. So when you do right. this, you get the sort of 6,000 number, but we can go to, if we go to the England number, they're actually a little bit more accurate. The other is England and Wales. Then it's almost exactly 6,000 mm. is the number that comes out from the uh, ONS. 5,979 is the number of ONS deaths mm. that had actually occurred on a date before the 3rd of April and that were registered prior to the 11th of April. Now you ask, what does the NHS number say? The NHS number is now 5,186. So the difference between these two is the difference then because of um, the difference in how they are reporting, not because of a not very interesting lag in reporting. So it's, it's the same lag as you get for anything. If we'd asked about for something very similar, say how many babies were born up until the April the 3rd or whatever, um, every baby is born at a particular hour on a particular day, and you can count those up, and it's a different number to the number that the government actually knows about, because it takes a week and a bit for the government to actually know about it, for the paperwork to be signed off, etc., etc. So the big headline difference, that 2,000 difference, is nearly all about the government knowing about the deaths, not a difference in absolute numbers of deaths. So it's just a reporting lag. It's nothing more. So you can then go to those numbers and say, well, okay, we'll take the numbers as they actually sit. Now, there is another important difference between the ONS numbers and the NHS numbers. So NHS England reports a COVID death if and only if, if it's a death that happened in hospital mm. and the patient tested positive for, for, um, for COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Only hospital the, deaths are recorded. Only by hospital NHS. deaths, and yeah. they have to yeah. be positive for COVID. Yeah. So they also, in fact, will be missing out in hospital COVID deaths where the, where the test came back negative, which has to occur also at some rate. Mm. The ONS deaths are those that occur anywhere but have COVID mentioned on the certificate, yeah. on the death certificate. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that includes in hospital deaths in which COVID was positively tested for, but it also includes out of hospital deaths where COVID was suspected and they had COVID put down on the death certificate. So with those numbers, you don't now get a 50% discrepancy. You can now try and estimate what proportion of deaths are occurring outside of hospital that we can ascribe to COVID, and that number is coming out at around 10%. So it's not 50%. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Jonathan Porter's Professor of Economics at King's College London joins us. Jonathan, good evening. Good evening. Well, um, I think actually... Me, first is, of all, you, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, I was just going to say welcome to the programme, but uh, just try, if you could, to cheer me up. Well, I think, actually, um, this in some ways is a very optimistic scenario. Um, yes, the economy is going to shrink by perhaps 35%. The OBR's guess is not that different from mine and probably as good as anybody else's. Um, but, you know, you know, you could 
work that out by looking out your window, right? I mean, of mm. course the economy is going to shrink by 35%. That's because the government has closed large parts of it down for the very good yeah. reason. It's start trying to stop people from dying of the virus. Um, so that is a necessary consequence of what we're trying to do, and it's to be expected. The possible good news in the OBR scenario is that they are assuming, and they do say it's an assumption, not necessarily a forecast, that actually we'll get a very quick bounce back, that there won't be any permanent damage to the economy. In fact, by sometime in 2021, we'll be back to sort of where we would have been anyway. In other words, they're saying that if things go right, that is to say, if the government's policies, which are designed to ensure that most people do eventually have jobs to go back to after the crisis, that most firms don't go bust, that this will sort of be like, uh, you know, it'll be a nightmare. We'll wake up in a few months and actually um, most of the what's happened won't really be affecting us anymore. Now, the danger, of course, is that it's not like a nightmare. It's more like a, that what we see for the next couple of years is more like a very, very bad hangover, that we do do permanent damage. But I think that is in our yeah. own hands. It's not up to the virus. Because it'll be very slow, won't it? They'll be opening just, you know, building sites first. I mean, they won't be opening bars and theatres and stuff for a long time, will they? Well, that will certainly take time. But, how you know, um, it, it doesn't seem inconceivable that uh, within a few months we would be gradually going back to normal, first with schools, then with, um, as you say, building sites and so on, um, eventually uh, moving on, then other shops, and eventually moving back to bars, restaurants, sports, entertainment, theatres, and all the rest of it. Um, and we are seeing some countries in, in Europe, which went into this slightly before us, now beginning to take some tentative steps towards yeah. easing the most restrictive fixtures of the lockdown. So if we can come out of this without permanently damaging our economy, um, then you know we could see a scenario of the sort the OBR describes, what we call a V-shaped recovery, a very, very, very severe hit one that we recover, recover from relatively quickly. But do you think there'll be um, any... Is there... Is there Go on. I'll, I'll finish. Is there um, this possibility, I was talking about it before, Jonathan, uh, where, you know, people are furloughed in a lot of businesses, they're being looked after partly by the government in a lot of businesses and government trying to make sure that the business will be there. Uh, when it finishes. But if it goes on too long, a lot of those companies will fold anyway mm. because they're not producing what they're supposed to and people won't have a job to go back to. That's going to make it, it all yeah. very difficult, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That is absolutely the danger. And that is what government policy needs to prevent with the combination of the furlough policies, these uh, guaranteed loans to business and so on. We need to make sure that there are businesses still there, um, that people do have jobs to go back to and those businesses can quickly get back into business and back into um, doing whatever it was they were they were doing. Before They're not getting they the loans, on. though, are they, off the banks? There's a problem there. That's a, there's, there's certainly a problem with deliver, getting the money out the door. Um, and I think that's inevitable, to be honest, when you try and do something so big so quickly. But the Treasury and the government do really need to get into gear very quickly because if they don't, then you will start seeing lots of businesses going bust. Apparently America, really have, America have been much quicker than we are off the ball. Um, I'm not sure that's true. I've seen that Switzerland have. They're, yeah. uh, they've been extremely efficient in getting money. In America, I mean, the American response has been um, pretty incoherent, frankly. And I think actually one of the big worries for us is, is that uh, um, we might get our act together. 
but some other countries, and the U.S. is the most obvious one, uh, um, mess things up. And obviously, if that happens, we will suffer too, and there's not a lot we can do about it. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on Talk Radio. Let's talk to Dr. Jiro uh, Barada, um, an NHS GP on demand service. Uh, Good evening to you, sir. Good evening. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. Um, uh, why then would the NHS be so worried about people going on about these ridiculous theories of uh, 5G being transmitted uh, by transmitter masts? Absolutely. Well, the reason for that is because it distracts from the real issue. And the real issue is that people pass the virus one to another. And uh, there's no joking about this because people are dying from it. So we want people to heed the correct advice and not to blame 5G mm. or any other nonsense, but actually to do what they're being told to do for their own good, which is to stay at home as much as possible and uh, to wash their hands as much as possible because hand washing and distancing is what's actually going to see us through the ban- pandemic. It's nothing to do with 5G masks. They still will be there at the end of the pandemic, still causing no harm as they always have done, basically. So uh, what Mm. we really need to do is make sure that people don't pass the virus from one to another. Yeah, and I think think everybody has understood that. Uh, But there seems to be, you know, some worry by the NHS that that lots of people are going to believe these theories. So why doesn't a scientist just come out and actually show the proof and uh, uh, maybe in in conjunction with a, a doctor and just show why this is never going to happen. This is complete and utter fallacy. Well, people have done that, actually, and clearly, uh, before coming on air with you, I've researched what's been said by what, uh, by whom, basically. Mm-hmm. And so Professor Malcolm Sperrin, for example, who's uh, director of the Department of Medical Physics at Oxford University Hospitals, he doesn't believe a word of it, and he would know. He's, so he's uh, in a prime position of working, actually, within a medical trust and also being a, a director of physics as well and clinical engineering. Mm. Uh, Another professor of cellular microbiology, Dr. Simon Clark, also says that it's utter rubbish, complete rubbish. Uh, Professor Adam Finn, professor of pediatrics at the University of Bristol, says the same. He says it's caused by a virus. And I could go on and on and on. Uh, Professor Brendan Wren, professor of microbial pathogenesis at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, said there's no scientifically credible evidence to link Mm. the uh, introduction of 5G with the COVID-19 outbreak. So it really is what people choose to believe and choose to read. Um, So again, in uh, preparation for speaking to you, I've gone and had a look Mm. to see how on earth you could possibly justify 5G causing the virus. Mm. And I can't find anything at all for any kind of scientific merit. Well, it's it's totally irrational, isn't it? I mean, is that, I mean, there's actually no point mm. getting experts because anyone should understand the, it can't these are make the people, it Hang on. The, yeah, but these are the people who don't actually want 5G. They think it's going to yeah, make yeah. birds fall out of the sky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is, they think it's going to give people cancer, uh, all kinds of things, and they're just using this. This is just uh, hearsay because I haven't been able to find yet any scientist who is prepared to say yes this will happen i'm found one well that's because it's and, not true uh, and uh, yes uh, scientists deal with facts that that's why 
Yeah. I mean, there are things... Exactly. That, there are That's things my that, point. That, that masts, there have been theories with other things that it could have, but there's no way it could form a, cause a virus. No. no. Not at all. We know what the virus is, and uh, we know it's very mm. inert, um, and unless you actually move it... Uh, so that's been said many a time now, that it's humans that move the virus. It can't move on its own. It certainly can't move on a radio wave. You know, even if you cough or sneeze, you can only yeah. propel it two metres or so. Um, how is it supposed to travel on a radio wave? It makes no sense whatsoever. No, um, no You know, there are even uh, some theories that I've read online which suggest that the virus doesn't exist at all, and it's all 5G, and that, that, that's clearly preposterous. The James Whale Show. Come praise the whale on talk radio. I noticed they had a little off license. So do you know what I did? It filled your I basket bought up. a couple of bottles yeah. of champagne. Not a time for champagne, really, is it? I mean, I've got. I've had a cough now for five or so weeks. Is it a dry cough? How long have you been experiencing? Is your temperature all right? Your taste? Yeah. Well, you've always had bad taste. Can we first just uh, knock this particular rather bad piece of reporting on its head? Oh, sorry. So, what have I done wrong now? No, not you. Not again. Cut me no. off, and the no, boss. Cut him off, Sam. There, just underneath me, like a music bed. Yes, yeah, James Whale. You're I'm listening to James Whale. We should be doing a, a gardening hour on the show on Friday. It's all the like same, isn't it? Dig else. a hole, pour the water in, it grows. That's gardening. Everybody up, out of your chairs. Don't do it if you're driving. Not many people are, of course. Come on, come on, come on. Move those shoulders. That's it. Swivel right to the left. Come on. Go with the groove, baby. Go with the groove. Just say, I love dogs more than I love myself. I love dogs more than I love myself. Now say it with feeling without taking the mick. I love dogs more than I love myself. That was uh, the clips for today. The worst of Whale, or sorry, sorry, the best of James Whale. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed them. Well, I suppose if you didn't enjoy them, you won't be listening, will you? Anyway, I'll be back 7 o'clock until 10, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.